0: And why she hadn't filed a missing persons report. In the end, they accepted that she was simply overwhelmed with loss and couldn't possibly be the killer. Sayaka had returned to her job after a week leave of absence and now went through her days like a zombie. She declined all of her co workers' offers to go to their local Izakaya for drinks after work. Their weak attempts to console her with alcohol and mindless camaraderie made her want to be alone all the more. Her apartment was empty, dusty, and quiet. The blinds hadn't been opened in weeks. Her TV hadn't been turned on since its dreadful announcement of her boyfriend's death. It sat on the dumbwaiter, dried ramen draped over the edge of the screen from when she had flung her bowl at it days later, recalling the broadcast. She wanted silence, but couldn't find it. Even when it was quiet, the words replayed in her mind. This man also had no head. The neighbor's TV would sound through the wall some days. It didn't matter what it was playing. In between lines of cooking shows and anime episodes, she would hear it. This man also had no head. She would put pillows over her ears to try to block it out. She wanted to put a pillow over her mouth to smother herself. If only that would work. Sometimes she sat in the dark, quietly weeping. Three times she had dropped to her knees to pray, but no words would come. She would collapse to the floor, her long, black, straight hair pooling on the hardwood, mingling with the dust. Eventually she would fall asleep. But she did not dream of Katsu. She dreamt of samurai. Her father had told her time and again that they were descendants of samurai from western Honshu. Sayaka's skin was far paler than normal. He claimed that was proof of their nobility. When she was a girl, this had meant something to her. Now they were useless words, memories of a man she never saw anymore. In her dream, her skin was white as chalk. She stood in a vast garden surrounded by castle walls. She wore the finest kimono of pale purple with peonies adorning the wide sleeves. Bellflowers were intricately patterned across her chest, while irises blooming by a running stream encircled the hem. Cherry blossoms fell all around her and blanketed the ground like pale pink snow. In her hand, She held a slender naginata, its long black handle ending in a short, curved blade, resting among the blossoms and dripping blood. In front of her lay a dead crane. She looked down at it with remorse, scanning its slender body and long neck. There was no wound that she could see, but it was clearly dead. Had she killed it? she looked up and saw people lining a balcony she did not know them their faces were grave dire and judgmental they looked down at her with anger with disappointment and disgust the flowers slipped from her kimono like leaves drifting from a tree and the fabric's purple hue began to darken it became deeper and deeper until it was nearly black She fell to her knees, dropping her bloody weapon, and cradled the crane in her arms, but it dissolved into worms and ash. It fell through her fingers, repelling the cherry blossoms, which retreated from it like feathers in a sudden gust of wind. She looked up and saw streams of light burning through the castle walls, like fire through paper, burning through the people, who seemed oblivious to it. Playing cards fell through the gaps in the walls. Queens and aces, kings and jacks, clubs, diamonds, spades, and hearts of all numbers fell to the ground where the cherry blossoms had just been. But now they landed in ash and dirt and were eaten by the worms. Sayaka hated that she didn't dream of Katsu, only of his damned cards.